Hi, and welcome to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. In this episode, I welcome Jordan Schumacher, student-athlete on the men's soccer team at the College of Charleston, and Eric Manuel of Expert Mindset Coaching. Jordan and Eric discuss mindset strategies that have helped Jordan grow as a person and an athlete. This is a fantastic conversation, and I believe will be beneficial to all who listen, especially young student-athletes. Please do not hesitate to reach out to Eric if you have any questions or would like to explore working with him. He's an excellent resource to elevate performance through mindset. Thank you to Jordan for being open and discussing his process. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on social media as well. The links can be found at matchplayrecruit.com. Um, so Jordan, I mean, what a great backdrop there. Um, all of us people in the North kind of are jealous of that backdrop for sure. Um, and Eric always just seems to be tucked away somewhere. So, uh, you know, okay. he, he can't like one of these days I'm going to make you uh, broad, you know, do this from um, Bourbon Street or something. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. Um, you might not get much done, but. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, so, Jordan, you're there at College of Charleston. You're a what year are you? Did you are you in? Are you a freshman right now? Or sophomore? I just I just finished my junior year. Or oh, okay, okay. My spring semester of my junior year is going on right now. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so walk us through your recruiting process and, you know, where were you playing club soccer and um, how'd you end up where you are? So I started with a local club in New Orleans called the New Orleans Jesters, and they have a NPSL team there. And they were running this league called or it was basically just NPSL U19. And so it was, you know, the best players from the surrounding areas competing against other NPSL, you know, essentially second teams. And I did that. And there was a regional uh, scouting event with a company um, there called SRUSA. And basically I just did that. And I just had good conversation with the coaches and with the agents and we basically hit it off because me, our team and this team in Hattiesburg had a pretty intense rivalry and I performed well in both of the games against that team. And the head coach there, his brother is an agent and he picked me up and went from there and we started getting in contact with uh, college coaches, sending emails out. He helped me make a uh, highlight tape and mm -hmm. we were getting that out. And that's really kind of how I got picked up that and high school soccer. Mm -hmm. uh, I performed well my senior year in high school soccer, won the state championship, uh, state Gatorade player of the year. And that those accolades helped me stand out from the rest and get picked up. Right. You're a goalkeeper, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, so what year were you in when you did that recruiting event and got connected with agents and all that, that kind of stuff? That was that was my senior year, so I was pretty okay. late. 
like in yeah. the recruiting process. A lot of people start like, you know, really freshman year, sophomore year. I went to one camp my sophomore year at Georgia Southern, but besides that, I didn't really do any camps. Yeah. Um, so what, what was that process like um, from a, from the standpoint of like dealing with it and, you know, did you, when did you decide, okay, I want to be a college soccer player and be like, you know, this is what I need to do to become that. When did that happen and, and what, what did you do to make that happen? That has kind of always been the dream. Like since I really kind of, since I started playing club soccer, honestly, you know, I, I did rack, I did, you know, the pickup leagues and all that kind of stuff. But like around 12 years old, I was like, I want to take it to the next step and the next level. And that began with, you know, just training more often and getting really serious about it, taking advantage of every session, um, every goalkeeper session. And then I really started to pick it up like the summer after my sophomore year of high school. And that's when I was training every day over the summer. I trained with the NPSL team as well. And so I got a taste of what it was like to play at a higher level with guys who had played in college or played pro professionally. And so I understood the physicality and competitiveness that it took to be able to get to a higher level. Well, that and like the, the work ethic and, and commitment. So when did it dawn on you that like you couldn't just do the club practices and, and you know, you had to go and do extra work and you know, do yeah. position specific training and you know Definitely. all that good stuff. Probably around uh, 14, 14 or fifteen, yeah. because it was kind of like I knew I had the athletic ability, but I had seen some other goalkeepers around my age as well, and they were making saves that I wasn't making, and so I was like, well. I know I'm just as athletic as they are, and I know I have all the strength and skills that they have. They just trained it more often, and they were accustomed to seeing those things more often. And so they were able to make those saves. And that's when I knew, all right, I need to start seeing those shots more often and get with a coach and just do one-on-one -on -one training. Right. So that so you basically you like made the transition from only working in your club practice to – working with someone individually that could like, kind of hone, develop and hone your skills to, to be yeah. the next level goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah. And it was, luckily I was able to find a coach who every session was super intentful and maybe we weren't doing, you know, the highest amount of reps and the most um, intense workout, but it was always super, you know, thoughtful and planned out and intentful. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so you, you wrap up high school and you, you, uh, what's it like reporting to campus on the first day? Do you remember that far back? Oh yeah. Um, humbling, very yeah, yeah. humbling because you go from being the, you know, the big man at your high school, the big guy on campus to a nobody <clears throat> and you have to, you get a complete like system reset on, you know, who you are, um, what people think of you, all these things, you get all these thoughts running through your head and it can be really challenging and really stressful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, maybe Eric, maybe you guys can talk about, you know, the tools that are needed to, to deal with that, that situation. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious more Jordan of like, what, what was it like from your experience dealing with um, not so much the transition to college? I want to ask you about that later, but more like the recruitment process. And I know a lot of kids have the fear of like making the wrong decision and how do you know where to go to school? So what were some of the things that you dealt with in that process of like later in your senior year and, um, and how did you deal with them? So how did I deal with like the recruitment process and deciding on which school I wanted to choose and, and that? Yeah. And like what what were some of the struggles, you know, in that process? Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest things was like personal preferences. You know, it all depends on where you grow up and what climates you're used to and things that feel like home. And I thought South Carolina felt like pretty similar to home. And so I had initially chosen Coastal Carolina, and I had attended there for a year. And I think one of the areas that I wish I would have revisited and put more thought into was, like, you know, the, the big numbers and things. It's not necessarily about the biggest school or, you know, the amount of conferences, conference championships they have, but it's more about, like, where you'll play at the highest level that you can and where you'll develop the most. And I had a couple of schools that were willing to, you know, play me off the bat and I blew that off and I just wanted to go to the big school that had the most conference championships. And so I wish I had put more thought into like the school that'll make me feel like family and make me feel like I'm accepted and I can be who I am without having to worry about what other people think of me. Yeah. Okay. What about in your senior year? Was there any pressure playing knowing that, you know, maybe scholarships are on the line and college coaches are going to be watching? How did you manage the pressure of that? Um, I don't think I really put too much concern into that. I think I was more focused on what was in front of me and that was winning the state championship and being the best player that I could be at that moment. And I think if I did that, I knew opportunities would arise further down the line as long as I stayed focused on what was in front of me. And sure enough, that's what happened. I mean, I'd say towards the second semester of my senior year is when it started to hit like the the idea of scholarships and you know money and playing time and that's when i really had to focus on the games that were in front of me and the games that i was playing in and not the stuff that was a year six months down the line yeah yeah cool and do you have any advice for a high school senior who's maybe in that position or even a junior, somebody who's, you know, looking at colleges and dealing with the pressures and the anxieties that go along with it? Yeah, I'd say the biggest piece of advice that I can give anyone trying to, you know, go the collegiate route is just be where you are and just focus on the things that are in front of me, of you and don't worry about things that 
are out of your control because if you try to focus on the scholarship money and the you know the playing time then you're probably not going to play the best with the team that you're on so focus on those first and the other opportunities will you know come as as they do very cool all right you got anything scott no go ahead keep going okay so um let's talk about college okay so making the jump up to college what were some of the mental struggles or issues that you ran into in that first year off the bat the biggest one that i noticed was there's not a single player that's like clearly better than everyone else everyone is capable of playing and capable of starting and so i think that's the biggest thing i noticed in the difference between high school and college i think going in first week of preseason everyone's you know got size and muscle on them and they're technical as well and so off the bat it's just everyone has skill everyone's able to play that's the biggest thing i noticed very cool yeah and were there any like specific issues or um challenges that you dealt with in that freshman year um for me probably just adjusting to the physicality and speed of play i definitely i made incredible progress that first semester in that first year but simply just adjusting going from like high school soccer and mpsl soccer is a good level as well but you just can't really compare it to you know a college team until you get there and understand what it's like and so i'd say adjusting to the physicality of it was definitely my biggest uh struggle yeah what about like you mentioned this a little bit earlier dealing with the like the slice of humble pie that you have to eat making that jump up because you're not the big dog on campus anymore like you're you're trying to just get on the field and contribute to the team any way that you can so what was that like? Because that, that had to have been a little bit like worldview shattering, you know, because you had been the star on your team your whole life up until that yeah. point. So how was that adjustment, you know, taking on this new role that you have on the team and trying to just own your role and be the star in your role and, uh, yeah, accepting that? Yeah. I mean, like you said, the it was super humbling going in and immediately not being the starter and not being the big guy. And so I had to focus on what I could control, which was my work ethic, work ethic and my attitude towards training and how I approach each session and each, you know, um, recovery, because that's all I could control. I couldn't control, you know, other people's opinions of me, how they play. All I could really focus on was my work ethic and uh, my attitude towards each day. And so that's what I really uh nailed down that first year was my mindset and trying to stay as positive as possible even when i wasn't you know reaping the benefits of training yeah very cool okay and then after that freshman year you made a change right so yeah. what went into that process of deciding to transfer well, I was a pretty late transfer. I had been told that I didn't have a spot on the team the following fall. And in that 
day, it kind of feels like your whole world gets flipped upside down because, you know, you make a lot of friends and you feel like you're settling down in that environment and you're getting used to it. And then it all just gets flipped upside down. And so that's when I really kind of understood that it's, it's a pretty cutthroat uh, industry and you have to just perform every single day. And so I immediately, you know, got in contact with my mom and we started emailing coaches that day, you know, reaching out to the coaches that were, showed interest in me the previous summer uh, and reaching out to coaches in that conference and in the surrounding area because we had played College of Charleston in that spring and I had gotten a glimpse of it when we had come down here and played them and I enjoyed it. And so we, me, my agent and my mom decided to, you know, reach out to them. And luckily I was able to find a home here. Were there a lot of like suitors in that process? Was, was there interest from other schools? Did you have a decision to make or was Charleston basically the, the option? I did have interest from other schools. Elon was one of them. Um, a couple of CAA schools. I think for me, the biggest thing was um, just finding a place where I'll feel like home and that I'll feel like matches my mindset. And, you know, I talked to Keith Wiggins here, who's the head coach, and Rob Seaton, and they were telling me about their the pillars here and their their trust, discipline, compete, and resilience. And those are all things that I try to implement into my daily life. And I love that off the bat. And I think after I heard that, I had known this was the place that I needed to come. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, now let me ask you a little bit about mental training, right? So what, what was part of the reason why you sought out mental training in the first place? Yeah, I think a biggest, the, one of the biggest reasons was I had been through a good number of injuries this my sophomore year and my freshman year and it was really just injury after injury after injury and I felt like there wasn't really anything that I could do right um and so I I felt as though I needed to um find someone to help me kind of get out of that run that I was in and um we came across Eric and it's been incredible like I know there's there's not only a physical side to the game there's a mental side as well and if you can get the upper edge and the mental side not too many people train that and so just finding any edge I could get was really what I needed and luckily it worked out perfect and what kind of stuff have you learned and what has helped you the most? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that has helped me a lot was, number one, being mindful. So, you know, being aware of how you're feeling, how your emotions are, you know, making you act and being able to recognize them and not, you know, let them control you. I think that's the biggest part of mindfulness. And then also being intentful with sessions and games and having short-term goals, day-to-day -day goals, and long-term goals. So, you know, year, two years, five, ten years down the line, where do you want to be? Because a lot of people will, you know, just 
kind of wander through life not really knowing where to go or have a goal for something whereas if you set that goal and just and have a drive towards something you feel so much more accomplished and productive and yeah so mindfulness and goal setting i think have been the the biggest things that i've learned very cool and so if you were talking to a high school junior senior or or even a college freshman or or sophomore like what would you advise them to focus on in terms of their mindset or in their mental training like would you give them any activities to do on their own or would you give them something to think about or some perspective uh in terms of approaching training or competition what's a, what's a piece of you know mindset advice that you would give a younger athlete i'd say the biggest thing that i'd think of is to be aware of your emotions in games, in training sessions, because it's very easy as a young individual to get frustrated and to get upset with your teammates because they're not, you know, making the pass that you want them to make, that they're not, you know, they're not giving you the ball. And so having the ability to recognize your emotions and recognize how you might be playing because of those emotions is probably the biggest piece of advice I'd give a, a young person because that'll translate down the line and leads into so many other areas of life as well sounds simple right but it's hard work it's not simple at all yeah yeah and um yeah i think that's a big a big part of the mental training and the mental journey is it's not really stuff that you can just look up on google and get the answers to like you need to look inward you need to reflect on yourself and and discover these answers you know and and that's hard to do, especially for young people. But I think if you're willing to do that work, then, you know, you can get a lot of the benefits out of it. And like you said, it doesn't just help you on the pitch playing in your games, but it helps in life too. you know, being able to manage your emotions, manage your thoughts and control yourself, you know, and direct yourself in a, in a direction that's going to be beneficial and constructive for your life. So yeah, it's cool to hear that, you know, you've learned those things and, and are able to apply those things. Um, uh, to soccer, to school, to life. Yeah, it's awesome. Definitely. And, you know, just like you said, it uh, it doesn't just translate onto the pitch. It allows you to just enjoy life more. It allows you to be more present and be in the moment. And when you're more present, you play better, you feel better, you act more clearly. So, yeah. Hey, Jordan, um, talk. give an example of like, you know, maybe early on or maybe, you know, today, you know, meaning, you know, in modern, you know, you know, in the last two days or whatever, uh, like an example where you kind of felt like, okay, I, my emotions are going to get the better of me or, you know, they're going to color my judgment or that sort of thing, you know, maybe give a story of like how you felt it. And, and, you know, now that you've done this mental training, you know, where did it take you? And how do you react now and, and being mindful? Yeah, I, so when I would train with my goalkeeper coach, like the summer, <laughs> the summer before my senior year of high school, I would maybe not make a save or I would let a ball go in that I usually save. And I'd go through this thing called second arrowing and I'd, you know, beat myself up about not making that save, even though like 
the ball in the net is already bad enough. So I would, you know, get really frustrated with myself and then that would uh, bleed over into the, the next save or the next situation that I'd be in. And it would just carry on and carry on and carry on. And I'd hold on to this frustration throughout the entire session over one small save when I'm making 500 saves a session or something like that. Whereas now it's I'm much more aware and I'm able to coexist with my emotions. And sometimes I'll get frustrated if I, if I'm like really close to making a really good save and I don't make it, I'll get frustrated for half a second, but then I'll recognize that frustration and I'll, you know, I'll recognize its existence, but then I'll leave it there and because that save is done and I have another opportunity to make to make a play and to have a good moment. And so I just, I have improved my turnover rate uh, by, by understanding my emotions and recognizing them. Yeah. So was there a point where you were like, holy smokes, this stuff this guy's talking about, it actually works. Like, did you kind of like have a little smile to yourself when you're like, wait a minute, oh, that's exactly <laughs> what Eric said and, and, and it's working. Yep. Um, <laughs> there have been a couple of moments because it's it's not always like, you know, so black and white, it kind of ebbs and flows. Uh, but mm -hmm. there have definitely been multiple times where it's like, I'll be in a situation and I'll, I won't get anxious or I'll... I'll recognize the anxiety and then I'll be like, that's okay, but you're here. And then I'll make a crazy save and you kind of get those, like you kind of get that happy, warm feeling inside of you. And so I've definitely yeah. had those feelings where, you know, it's like, Oh wow. Okay. Recognizing that I have emotions, but not letting them affect how I play. Like it does, it does something and it, it allows you to play more freely or freely and yeah, I've definitely had like multiple of those moments. Right. And how is that kind of, uh, how have you seen that in the rest of your life? You know, the non-athletics part of it. Yeah. Uh, it allows you to think clearer about situations. It allows you to take more of an objective viewpoint than a subjective one. And you can, you know, make clear and better decisions about things and handle situations better. I've also found myself to just be happier now that, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of gone through, Eric and I have gone through sessions that are simply about, you know, appreciate, appreciating the little things in life. Like this beautiful backdrop behind me, it's gorgeous. Like those are the little things that people forget about. And so, outside of soccer, it's allowed me to enjoy life more. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Eric, I interrupted you. Go ahead. If you have more. I'm, I'm curious, um, because a lot of people, when they think about mental training, they think about improving performance in games, you know, and getting the best version of themselves out when they compete, you know, getting the version in practice to show up on game day. But how have you noticed uh, or have you noticed any benefits to your training from, you know, maybe changes in your mindset, changes in your attitude? Like, how has that impacted your training? It's definitely helped me perform better. I 
you know, Eric and I went through this period of recognizing things that I needed to improve on in training to be able to compete at the highest level. And um, I've come up with an acronym for it. It's ACC. And it's basically accountability, compete and communicate. And if I do those three things to the best of my ability, then I'll then be able to play at the best of my ability. And so recognizing things that I need to improve on was probably the biggest biggest area that helped me perform better day in day out so so acc what was the what was the a i'm sorry what was that accountability compete and communicate right so walk through what each of those means to you and and how you like arrived at those being that being your acronym yeah so accountability is essentially for me personally it's holding myself to a high standard and not letting you know if i feel tired or if i'm feeling sore not letting that be a reason that my standard drops and holding myself to a standard that i stay at day in day out and then for other people it would be uh holding them to a standard that they know they're they should be at and keeping the team standard high so that's what accountability is for me and then competing you know competing kind of falls into accountability or it falls into both because for me if i want to compete i need to put my team in the best situation to prevent a shot and so i'd have to communicate for that to happen and organize the team and so they can all bleed into each other uh but competing is you know even if it's just a a volley sequence with the goalkeepers to warm up it's you know you're being really intentful and you're making sure i'm not going to drop any of these balls and i know i'm not going to drop them and i'm not concerned about that and it's staying locked in and you know like it's like i said just competing with every single area goalkeeper drills uh small sided games full field scrimmages and then communication is pretty straightforward just communicating with my teammates to put them in the best situation to uh, make a block or prevent a shot or score a goal. And so I think those were the the three biggest things that I found I needed to work on. Yeah. What about gratitude? How does gratitude play into your mindset? You mentioned it with the tree behind you, but, you know, I think it's easy for college athletes to – to get into like a, an ungrateful attitude of like, why do I have to do all this crap? You know, it's cold outside. I don't want to train. It's early. I've got to do schoolwork. Maybe my friends who aren't athletes, they don't have to do all this extra stuff. Why do I have to do this? And, and, you know, it's easy to kind of slip into a woe is me mindset. So how does gratitude play into maybe your happiness as a college athlete? It's allowed me to be so much more grateful and enjoy things better. I think, like you said, a lot of college athletes and a lot of athletes in general kind of just get lost in this idea that, um, or we, we take a lot of things for granted, like being able to go out and having a full session planned for us and not having to put any thought in advance of what we're doing. I think that's something a lot of people take it 
for granted and you know having a locker room having a locker being able to wake up and go play soccer with your friends a lot of athletes take that for granted and i've tried to make that a point when i wake up every day is you know being thankful for the things that i've been given in the places i've been able to go with soccer and that's that's what's really allowed me to enjoy this sport and and play at the highest level i can very cool um so do you do you journal at all i do i actually have my journal right here cool yeah um is that something that you and eric have worked on or you know, when you mention gratitude, I think that that's like, Eric, I think you, you and I have talked about it, like addressing what you're grateful for is, is like, there's science behind it. It's, it's really good for you, like from a mindfulness state. So, you know, whatever you're willing to share, like how do you structure your, you know, what you're journaling about or, or is it just kind of a free flow thing? For me, I'd say it's a pretty like free flow thing. Some days it'll simply be like, I feel the need to talk to someone, but I don't want to talk to anyone. And so I'll write it down in my journal. And the mm -hmm. process of actually getting it down on paper allows me to think about it because my mind goes so much faster than my hand can write. Mm -hmm. And so I have to sit with that moment and sit with that emotion or feeling and think through it and think about it and how it makes me feel and how I can, you know, change it for the better. And so most yes. days, it'll kind of be free flowing, but whenever I meet with Eric, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pin something down and it'll give me some homework for the week and I'll, I'll go about that and I'll, you know, jot down some notes on how that makes me feel and how it's improved my week or how maybe it's, um, or how it hasn't affected me and ha hasn't helped me. And for, I don't think there's been a single thing that hasn't helped me though. Yeah. 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 All right. That's all I got. Okay. Um, so Jordan, who's your favorite goalkeeper, man? Oh, that's a like, tough actually, let me, let me give you, let me ask it in a different way. Who have you kind of modeled yourself after? Um, who, who you watch and you're like, that's who I want to play like. So I kind of take bits and pieces. But like, mm -hmm. if I'm watching a goalkeeper, I really enjoyed watching David De Gea play. And he's, yeah. he's not on a team right now, but when he was at Manchester United, him and Casper Schmeichel, because Casper Schmeichel is just crazy. Like he's yeah. a nut job, but he competed yeah. every day and he, and he communicated. Mm -hmm. So him and, uh, and David De Gea probably. Right. So, which brings me to another question, um, and, and I'm hoping you can help me out here because, I, you know, goalkeepers, you guys are, you know, by reputation, you know, you're a little different um, than, than other people. <laughs> um, but, like, Pickford, like, what is he yelling about? What is, he, like, all this, all this stuff that he's, like, got going on and, you know, <laughs> screaming at everyone and all the gestures and everything? Like, what's going on? Like, Help me understand what he's got, what he's doing. 
so I've talked with, you know, the GK union about that, you know, the group of goalkeepers at on our team. And we've kind of come to the conclusion that most of it's for like theatrics or some of it's for theatrics, but he's also right. like, he's very passionate, but mm-hmm. then you just blend the passion with the theatrics and you kind of get this, you know, exuberant flamboyant right. reactions. Right. So Eric, he's like the number one, well, Ramsdale is between him and Ramsdale, like the number one goalkeepers for England. Um, he okay. plays for Everton. And uh, it, I think that like, there's that fine line getting back to kind of what we've been talking about. Like I, I, the way he looks, sometimes he's blaming his teammates. Like he's kind of scolding them and, you know, being condescending and like, you know, I just wonder what it's like, to play with a goalkeeper who, or a, a player in general, like who's always like kind of busting your balls, you know, and, and like making you feel like this on my shoulders rather than taking the ownership that they should take. Cause I mean, you talk about like, you know, you're through your communication, you're trying to position players to, to be their best, to be in the best spot, to, to help out the team and compete the best. So like, how does a, a, character like that with a personality like that you know figure in you know how would they figure into what into your pillars you know um it's interesting kind of kind of how pickford is now it well it'd be fascinating to like you know have him mic'd up or something to see how he communicates with different players because some players they could have a full team that's like you know able to just take it on the chin and just, you right. know, they can, you can scream at them, you can curse at them, and they can filter that out and understand what you're yeah. saying. And then you have some players who you need to be a bit more, uh, you need to have a bit more proactive and, you know, positive communication with them. And I think that's something I learned coming into college is you have guys with big personalities. That's how they got to this level. They have confidence, right. they have big personalities, they have, and they're and they're and they believe in themselves and you have to learn how to manage those personalities as well as a goalkeeper so maybe i have one guy who's you know who's kind of hot-headed and i can i can't really yell at him because if i yell at him he's going to yell right back at me and he's not going to take anything i just said whereas there's a center back that i can you know scream my head off at and he'll be like yeah sound got it and so yeah. it's all about managing just personalities. And so they might just have a group of, you know, sound guys that can take his, his berating right. every game. <laughs> right. But, I mean, you make a good point because, you know, you have to, as you know, goalkeeper is a natural leader, right? And just by virtue of where you are on the field um, and, yeah. you know, the responsibility that you, that you bur- you know, the burden of responsibility that you have. So, like you part of leadership is understanding you know the 10 guys in front of you that you know you have to understand like you just said like i know i can yell at that guy but this guy i kind of have to have some kid gloves with and and make sure that you know i'm not saying something that takes him out of his game exactly and so like how have you figured that out what's been your process to come to the understanding of you know who guys are like getting to know Uh, them and, and handling that yeah definitely trial and error like yeah. 
it's it's basically you got to get thrown in the fire um to be able to you know learn how to handle it and i there there have been several times where it's uh you know we'll be playing a scrimmage and i'll you know i'll have a lapse in concentration or something and i'll yell at you know the one guy i'm not supposed to yell at and then he'll yell back at me and it's like right forgot about that okay and right. you know needs to be a bit more productive with him next time and so it's really just trial and error just getting thrown in net and learning how to communicate with each person and you can probably right. also notice it in their small-sided games you know when they try to do possession games who gets frustrated the quickest and you know keeping notes of that and then going into you know the scrimmages and applying that to the communication right yeah i mean it's kind of like with your family like you know how to handle uh your siblings or your or your mom or your, you know whoever so it's it's definitely it's an art right and so you know maybe you know talk some a little bit you know maybe you can connect what you've learned from eric and you know how it's helped you deal with people just in general you know Yeah. I mean, so how do you think that what Eric, you and Eric have worked on or, you know, how has it helped you deal with different personalities and be a better leader and, um, you know, in a way help, well, not in a way, but help your teammates, you know, be better. Right. Well, in essence, you're building trust, right? Yeah, yeah. Scott, I, I think a big part of this is, like you said, trust and mutual respect, right? Like with Pickford, and I don't know anything about Pickford, but I, I imagine that him and his teammates have a certain amount of trust and mutual respect, and that's what allows him to talk to them the way that he does. If he didn't have that, he probably wouldn't get the response from them, you know, that, that he needs in that moment. So. I think that's a big part of, you know, team dynamics in general and team cohesion. And if you want to develop that trust and mutual respect, you need to invest time to 
create genuine, authentic relationships. And that happens on the field and it also happens off the field, right? With your teammates and with your coaches. So I think investing time into that and, um, you know, like learning how each of your different teammates reacts to different situations, learning how they tick, learning their motivators and a little bit of their psychology helps a lot with creating those real relationships. And then all that stuff transfers over onto the field. And you hear this stuff from athletes all the time, you know, athletes who are on successful teams, they say the best teams I was ever on were the ones that we all got along. We were all friends off the field. We all really liked each other and had that real genuine connection, real respect, real trust. And that helps you to go to battle with your friends. And when it gets a little heated, you can get heated and know like, this guy doesn't hate me. Like we're friends. We just hung out last weekend. You know what I mean? Like we were, we stayed up talking all night. Like we're good. He just wants me to change the way I'm playing. I can do right. that. But when you don't know that this guy has genuine respect for you and love for you, then sometimes you take that negative feedback that you get in a game and you start getting defensive yourself. So I think that's a big part of it is, is investing the time um, on many levels to create you know, genuine, authentic relationships and connections with your teammates and coaches. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and you don't have to wait until you're in college to uh, figure that out. Right. I mean, if you're thinking of this stuff and working on this stuff as a, as a high school kid or even earlier, but, um, and you develop it as one of your characteristics, college coaches are going to see the way you interact with your teammates and they are going to see that you can fit into their culture and that you can help make them better. So um, it's not just, you know, your technical ability, right? It's um, it's the way you interact with your teammates and your coach. Um, or, uh, I mean, there's a story that one of the coaches have had on the William Mary coach. He was talking about how, you know, a kid threw his bag. His mom asked him, after a loss, like how, you know, are you okay or whatever? And he just shut up mom and threw his bag at her. And, you know, he's like, I don't want that kid on my team. You know, it's, uh, that's, that's, that would be a terrible thing for our culture. So um, it's kind of growing into, you know, being a good teammate and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Right. Because then they know you, they can trust you too. So, yeah. Uh, what else have you uh, have you shared some of the stuff you learned with uh, your teammates?
Cool. Um, how you guys? How you guys gonna look next fall? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'll, uh, I'll definitely find you uh, at, that, at that. I think uh, you guys came to Williamsburg this year, right? So it'll be down there. Yeah. All right. I'll be in Charleston. I, I, I'm going to hit you up for a good place to eat next fall. So <laughs> um, anything else, guys? That was fantastic. I really, that, that yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Thank you for listening to the Tales from the Trail podcast by Matchplay. If you're enjoying the podcast and find it valuable, please consider visiting buymeacoffee.com slash matchplay. These small donations collectively help offset costs and other expenses associated with production of the podcast so I can continue to offer this service for free. Please take an extra minute to rate and review the podcast where you listen. This is a huge help. Share the podcast with whomever you think would be interested and will help in their process. Check us out on matchplayrecruit.com for our social media links. See you on the trail.